Welcome back to Get With The Programming. I am Chase Ingram. I'm Captain America. And along with me is Bill Grundler. Wolverine. Bill, you look good. Damn, you look good, you bro. Look good. Is that a new shirt you got on there? You know, it is. <laughs> Take a look at it, if you would. Drink it in. That's right. That's a three-quarter length baseball tee cult shirt in all black for Billy. And then I've yeah, got... you know, that's the way I rock that all black. I've got the... I call this tan. I don't. You guys, you called it like an olive green the other day. I think. It, I think it's like a green. I think it's like an olive green. Uh, you, know, you know, my whatever my eyes. Tomato, see. tomato. I got a little baseball tea action. OG. Plus our sick hats. Sick, sick hats. hats. Okay, I'm going to show you my OG underwear right now. No, <laughs> yeah. The the collection continues. Uh, if you guys <laughs> are out there and you saw some um, hints by Sherpa Works, shout out to this. Flags. Yeah. Flags are in. Jim, oh, flags are wait. in. I cannot wait. I can't wait either. So we'll post some of those things as they come up. But we got a fall line coming. This is a little preview. Baseball tees, baby. I can't so wait cool for the too. joggers. Yeah. That's going to be sick. I, you know, I, I, have, I really like the uh, – I don't know where he gets all of his – products from necessarily because i mean like we're all we're all gyms yeah like we all order shirts and whatever and i mean unless you get the classic um like the 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 bella the canvas you know or the what's the other one that everyone always gets not uh i don't know you know what i'm talking about (laughs) yeah i did but it's like it's like the same ones all the time and then like you try to do like the one-off ones on the store and they always end up being like gildens Oh yeah, fruit of the loom or something <laughs> stupid like that. I'm like, God dang it, no, yes. not that. But his shirts are always so great. They're, They're so, so soft and they fit so well. I mean, this makes me yeah. look like I have like shoulder muscles. I mean, check it out. I got to Hiller's right dismay. I got, I got trap right there. <laughs> yeah, I, did I tell you? He mentioned this on one of his shows. He's he, he saw me at the games and I was like, Hey man, what's up? And he goes, The first thing he said, he goes. You are much taller than I thought you were, and your shoulders are way smaller. <laughs> I was like, thanks. I think the first thing I said was, wow, dude, you're shorter than I thought you'd be. <laughs> I think that was a common one he got a lot of. But that's, <laughs> I, I mean, must, I, was, I would say that to everybody. Camera angle. Yeah, the, the upward look, but uh, it was pretty funny. Yash, how, how tall? I'm 6'2", 215. So, I mean, above average. If that's... That's what we want to do, but welcome everyone to the Glassman Chipper, our CrossFit Journal book club. Lucky for you guys, we have two. Two for you. And for for the last three, we went through Foundations, Garage Gym, and What is Fitness. You guys can look at those. They're already in there. They're set up. Today, we're going to do how to train for a sub-minute or sub-seven-minute 2K, which is has its own implications and adaptations. And then the other is the ring muscle up. And I think what's cool is that we've done a lot of, this is a lot of what you see in a level one. We've done a lot of theory and now we have movement application. And that's what all this is from, right? This isn't like a chronological thing. This is just a bunch of things put together that Glassman loved that we're going to go through. And today we got two. Well, I, I, you just like what we do, we answer like people in the gym. We we start seeing 
what kind of problems are everyone have? What kind of questions are everyone having? If we if we watch the workouts and we start seeing that everyone is cleaning, they're pulling wrong, they're doing this wrong, they're doing that wrong. We as programmers think about that and it's like, okay, maybe it's time to put in some drill work or some accessory work or something to get this fix this hitch and answer this question that a lot of people are having. And and you know, back then, if you think about all of the things that he is kind of going through, that's what he's doing. He's answering, why are we doing this? Okay, well, that's the, what is fitness? Mm. Well, to do that, you have to have a certain foundation at your level. So what are those foundations that we're all working off of? Okay, well, if you're at home or if you're trying to do it in your gym and it sucks, go to your house and do it. But here are the things you're going to need. Oh, well, now that you have these things at your gym, now you have to figure out how you're going to do them and how you're going to work through these movements. And so let's go over some of the movements that you have. What I think is interesting is, yes, there are going to be some how-tos, but I really think that in the both of these articles, that's very surface level. It gets down to showing to the core part of what are all of the different ways to achieve your goal. Here are three different ways to go about getting this goal. It's not just always row more. It's not just a, like fling yourself up over the rings and you're going to get it. It's like, here are some steps. Oh, you're missing up on this step? Well, why don't you try this thing? So what I like about it is it is it is um, surface very technical, like do X, Y, Z. But you go just below that and it's like, hey, this opens the door up to a lot of different ways that we could get to this goal and still have a you know, going constantly varied aspect especially ways to get there so it's not just always a straight you know uh strength progression that that everyone normally does mm -hmm. it's not a pyramid setup every single time it's not always this you could do those but you can do all these other ways too and i i, I even the rowing one like i thought the rowing was going to be honestly yeah and I, and I, this is <laughs> full admission when you said that that's what it was last week and i remembered i, I pulled it up i was like oh that's gonna be fucking boring yeah Right. I was like really? two pages. <laughs> like dumb. But if sorry to waste about 10 minutes. All the different ways. Yeah. yeah but if, yeah, you, if yeah. Once we get into it, I like that it opened the door for programmers and for coaches, especially. Look, you have a variety of different ways. We talk infinitely scalable and, and ways to modify to get to that goal. And this just opened up and reaffirmed that. So I, I it's actually really I think it's a really fun set up once you get through mm -hmm. that regular deal you know what i mean it's cool yeah i totally agree because reading through it even though it was only two pages long for the the row one the muscle up that we're going to hit right after this is three but it's one movement yeah but like you said yeah. there it it's cool because how there there really is like okay how you prep for this can translate to so many other things yeah. and i like when we see that with say when we think about what we get excited for say during the open or regionals, sectional, semifinals, whatever they're freaking called now. And the games is like, oh, that event opened up a whole new world of programming for yeah. me. And, yeah. you know, the way you train for this specific, say, test can also open up a lot of different training avenues and things to think about when you do that. And, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, before we go through, I'd like to – my wife just announced this to me. I'm at home. She's actually in the office next to me. And uh, moment of silence or condolences that the Queen of England just died. It's like just I saw like something five that she minutes was in ago. the hospital or whatever, but like holy shit, no way. Yeah, like yeah. So isn't, isn't she like the longest running monarch? She, my, my wife told me because my wife just watched The Crown, which is some Netflix thing about how she came. To, I don't know. It's a Netflix 
show. And I think seven decades she spanned. Holy shit. Yeah. Which is crazy. So she so, got in there when she was seven, huh? Right? <laughs> and like, I don't know when it started or, or how old she yeah. actually was. But, I mean, if she's 80 or 90, I'm like, she's rolling in there at 20-something. I mean, wow. yeah. So, uh, yeah, soccer mom, 14 presidents worth, 70 years as the Queen of England. But, yes, a uh, little, you know, rest in peace. 96, Corey just put up there. Oh, World War II right. vet? Damn, I should probably watch this show. Things I just didn't know. 96. <laughs> so. All right. Wow. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, just wild. Wild. Coronation is 1952. Look at all you guys with your fun facts. Thank you for looking at us. Yeah, Wikipedia is a hell of a thing. Wild. Wild. All right, I'm going to pull up the article. I dropped two links here in the chat on YouTube. They're also in our YouTube detailed description. I'm starting to put those in. Thank you for the feedback for a lot of you guys that are listening. And we'll go through the how to row a sub-minute, a sub-seven-minute 2K. Now, the what's the time equivalent for, uh, for women? Would you guess? Uh, I would say like 720. Okay. Well, okay, so... So what do they do at the games for the thousand? Um, Man, was it three fifteen for a thousand? That was their like cutoff time. Is that yeah. correct? So double that. Yeah. That's a six thirty. Yeah. So plus so women sub twenty. So I oh, was seven twenty seven thirty seven forty. I would say somewhere around. The I'm bad. I'm bad at there, these yeah. conversions. Something like that. Seven thirty seven forty. Yeah, she's right around there. Okay, yeah, seven thirty to seven forty. We'll say that. Um, but the idea here is which was really cool is right in this first line. Our purpose here is to show specifically how a simple goal, for example, like rowing a seven minute 2K, right? So this isn't specifically <laughs> about this. It is the concept of training for a goal, as you put so eloquently when we started. Like rowing a sub seven minute 2K row can not only be systematically and deliberately approached from multiple protocols, but can generally encourage similar thinking and pursuing other fitness milestones. For all the points and purposes of this two-page article, this is huge for new programmers, coaches, and athletes alike. Yeah, that's why it fits so well. I mean, yes, I know we're doing the book club thing, but it fits so well in our world of get with the programming because it's not just do the same thing all the time. And we CrossFit has been hit with the random, random, random and how that doesn't get you to a goal and that you can't use variants or whatever to do, to drive a certain direction. And this single article, it's a page and a half, page and a quarter, really with the diagram at the end, um, that says, that gives you definitive directions using three different ways that all get to the same goal. And yeah. all of them have a even though they're varied um, directions, they are they are a specific path to get to that direction. So it's not a random, you know, just throw throw it out wherever and see what happens. See what sticks on the wall. It is mm -hmm. a 
planned attack, but using a variety of different ways to get to that to, to that goal. That's that's what's so awesome about it. It's so cool. And uh, rack biceps just came out. What's your drag factor on the rower? Think of this in terms of big picture, right? When we talk about nutrition and we say uh, no sugar, like no added sugar, don't tell me about the fruit, like don't worry about drag factor right now. Because these basic principles are centering around a achieving a goal. We're just using the row as an example of how to achieve that goal in different ways to approach this. The other factor is like, if you're just talking about your general group class, drag factor doesn't matter. <laughs> like, that's, that's too much detail for the purpose. Now, if we had a like rowing team and we're doing like indoor erg training, like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. For your basic training and programming, it's, it's one of those details you don't have to get too much in the weeds as, although we know where it has its importance. So as we scroll down here, again, a seven minute 2K row that's averaging a 145 pace for 500 meters to get there. And it says two approaches. We want to think a distance priority and a time priority. And if you think about that and relate that to programming in general, if you just think about regular CrossFit workouts, you have a task priority, which is do this for time, or a time priority, and here's the time and do as many as you can. In this instance, we have our task as distance on the row. So we go down a little bit, and he says there's three different roads to the same end. Order, the order of increasing intensity is distance priority, time priority, pace priority. And how would you equate those to say your basic pro programming, right? Because you have basically have like task, time, and intensity is how right. I look at that. And if, and if you even pull back even further, that is our mantra with CrossFit. It's mastery of the movement, consistency with the movement, and then intensity with the movement. Mastery of the movement is, look, just get to the end of the road here. I don't care how long it takes you to run the mile or to row the 2K. Just get to the end. We want to see that you can do that. Then it's like, okay, well, how fast can you do that? Because we're increasing the intensity. And then the level of pace is how long are you holding that intensity? So I love the fact that it breaks those three things, those three sets down, but they are all similar ways to get to the same place. Yeah. And, and I and I like what you you're talking about there is that when we look at scaling sometimes too, we we look at that in order too. It's like, okay, if we're gonna scale, maybe we'll look at mm, reps and weight, right? And that's task. And then we'll say, okay, what's the time frame that we're working with? And that usually we look at modifies maybe those reps and weight. And then you look at pace priorities, like, okay, what's the intensity? What's the stimulus that we're chasing? And those three things should all be working together, even though they're three separate ways to approach this. So as he has below here is that three metabolically distinct yet convergent paths, what we're just saying, to the seven-minute goal offer great psychological and physiological advantage over any of the individual approaches alone. Meaning if you're always working distance, you're leaving two things off the table that can improve your row pace, your row time. If you're only working time, say it's like, okay, we're always going to do six by 500 meter rows that or you're going to do a 5k a 6k a 7k a 1k only just changing distance time priority is that interval one right if you're only doing intervals and you're never doing the bulk sets right and if you're never working your pace like none of those individually can work well and it's the same thing with any other program that you have like okay i want to improve my max 
unbroken set of pull-ups. It's like, okay, so would you just always just r- jump up every training session and just do a max? Or would you do sets? You know how sets? often that happens. <laughs> right, sets. I see that happens. I see intervals. someone over on the side all the time. like, hey, what are you doing over there? I'm just trying to see how many I can get day after day after day. It's like, ah. All that's going to do is piss you off. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, like, the approach is there. It's like, okay, the approach of only doing distances, like, oh, okay, I'm always going to hop on the pull-up bar every Wednesday and do a max unbroken set of strict pull-ups. It's like, okay, well, you're leaving a lot of things off the table. What about 10 sets of three, one set every 30 seconds? What about weighted pull-ups? What about banded pull-ups? Take the weight off and work the high. Like, there are so many different ways to achieve the same thing for the same instance that we're using here. And you can apply that to anything. I mean, think it's like, okay, Bill, improve my one rep max back squat. It's like, okay, we'll just max out every Wednesday. Like, no, 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 that's not what I'm going to do, right? Like, give uh, three examples of three different ways to improve that. Um, You can do uh, a certain percentage amount every minute on the minute so you can build your capacity set up. You can do pauses down at the bottom at whatever percentages that you want to do so you can build the bottom part of that squat so you can get out of the hole. You can do classic pyramid type styles where you build up, you know, with uh, using rest in between and doing a set of seven, a set of five, or yeah, like Brandon said, five by five is the same setup that way. Um, I mean, geez, I could keep on going. I mean, you could set right. up where you do that, <laughs> that like a, like a, uh, a Romanelle, what is it? The, uh, Oh my five, God. Five, three, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah any yeah. of those. I mean, you can do those same type of thing where you go five, three, one, and then you increase your percentage every single week as you're getting, uh, progressively stronger and successful with you, with each one of those lifts. Those are, those are fine to do to me. They're boring. Mm-hmm. I like doing, I love doing tempoed stuff. I love doing every minute on the minute one, because it keeps my class on task and it allows everyone to be able to stay in the, in the, in the game with, with their rep set. But, Big sets, small sets. Yep. Um, and as, as you're saying these, like there's a 15 different suggestions on, on how to do yeah. that. And you're all correct. Right. And they the reason work. is they all work, but they all work with variants within each other. It's mm-hmm. not just one. It's not just five by five or five, three, one, like a starting strength or things like that, or bands or chains or isometric accessory works or Romanian deadlifts and Bulgarian split squats. Like all of these things have their place. And the point is, if you have a singular goal, there shouldn't be a singular path to achieve that. And it can apply to everything. It can apply to, hey, I want a sub seven minute Helen which is, you know, that's platinum standard for Helen. Three rounds, four and a meter run, 21 kettlebell swings at 53 and 35 all the way up and 12 pull-ups. That was like a big benchmark, what, 15 years ago that everybody's trying yeah. to do? Like OBT yeah. was trying to do it. Everybody, you know, I did it. I'm just saying I did it. I did it back you in the day. that stupid word. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, uh, or it's like break 10. How would you do it? Like, well, we don't do Helen every week. Maybe you do heavy Helen. You do interval Helen. You do track work only, working on your running speed. You do that you know, right there would be me. That's the only <laughs> way I would get better right. at Helen. I just have to do track work. Yeah, and so so the title of this, how to get a seven sub seven minute two K, is misleading in terms of we're going to talk about how to do this specifically. 
But it's this overall arching mindset is that you have so many different paths to achieve that singular goal, except the one thing you can't do is do it singularly focused. It's not just about row. It's not just about intervals. It's not just about pace work. It's about all three. Hey, hey, put uh, put Yash's comment up there real fast. Which one? The, uh, Main the, problem one? The just about finding. Just about. Where is it? So Yash, Yash makes a comment on here. It says, okay, yes, we were talking about all the different variances of ways to achieve these goals. And it's just about finding the best one for you. See, but I, I personally disagree with that. And the, rea- the reason I disagree really? with that is because I don't think that it's finding the one that works best for you. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, then you are starting to you're starting to pigeonhole how you respond to whatever it is you're trying to do. Now, granted, if you are a power lifter and you're trying to do your one rep max back squat, or you have a, a specific goal that you are trying to hit, it's a you know it's a, a half marathon that you're doing or a triathlon that you're doing. I still think that the variance is what allows you to be better at those things. Like I, I'm doing mm-hmm. a lot of stuff right now with, um, and we're programming this a lot. Um, even with our, our, our class workouts is I've moved away or I've kind of cycled away from, I don't want to do this for like two cycles, um, two legged squat stuff, unless it's in the workout, all of our strength that's is going to single leg stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. And we're doing, uh, like we'll do Bulgarian split stuff. We'll do elevated front leg lunges and mm-hmm. we'll do a back squat, front squat, overhead squat, same setup on that, um, going all the way down. Um, it's weird because it, 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 you feel it in some different places, but I, I think that what you're doing is you, you end up hitting all the corners by trying all of these different things and it allows you to shore up all the holes that you might have instead of having your body. Cause we're so good at compensating around something yeah. that our body will find a way to compensate around it. So usually the things that we don't like are the things that we're not good at. So yeah. we, I, I, I think that it's, we, we need to be. Uh, and not saying that what he was not that his comment is wrong. I'm saying that I think that uh, I, I see what you're saying. There is something that that like I well you know the the classic li- uh, linear progression only that's what works best for me. It's like no, that's because what you're that's what you're used to. Mm. That's what you like to do usually. Yeah. Usually, and I'm not saying that he's saying that this way. I just I really agree and believe in the idea of do a bunch of different things like that mm-hmm. with the same goal. Keep driving it just like, you know, set up certain cycles or whatever, but you can have strength cycles aren't always the same way to do the strength. Like yeah. just like what we were saying earlier, um, try different ways to do it and f- get some different re- um, uh, responses and so, you know different stimulus out of that. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting. That's your interpretation of that uh, statement. Well, I, it, I wasn't seeing. Well, uh, well I, I'll I speak I to a, a. Don't get stuck in the class. Yeah, no, that and is, I know what it, you mean. And it's funny. It's like when I read it, I was like, yes, <laughs> actually, like almost <laughs> the complete opposite way, which is really funny because so I'll, I'll take myself, for example, the best format that you, works for me that I found over almost 15 years in tens of different squat cycles I've ever done. Like I've done pretty much every single one you could possibly do on the planet, including a small off, a half one, uh, like all of these things I've done. I've tried it all. And I found I had the best adaptation to stimulus wise was chains and tempo work. So for example, where I fail in a squat is usually above parallel. 
Yeah. Rarely do I get pinned in the bottom. So for me, the chain work allowed me to get out of the bottom with speed and work that continually... Um, How the hell do you get stuck above parallel? I can't, dude, I can't, I don't know why. And a lot of it has to do with my like thoracic stability, which is why I'm trash uh, at deadlifts and front squats. So it, I'm very it. upright at the bottom. And as I come up, that weight will just kind of <laughs> start pulling me forward. And so chains was really huge for my ability to basically finish the lifts. So I could train that without the fatigue at the bottom. And the other one was tempo work where I could control my body positioning the entire time without a maximal load. Um, yeah. But I know exactly what you're saying. I'm just giving a different perspective on almost the way I saw it. Right? Now, that's not the only way I do squats, but those are some of the best ones for my deficiencies in my actual squat. And maybe that's another avenue that people need to think about is that when we say what works best for them, it's mostly is like what works their biggest personal deficiencies. I can see that. If that, Does if that, that make sense? If that's what we're talking about. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, and Mike, Mike, Michael Hudson had a, had a comment here. Um, is the goal, the result or the variance? And the goal is to hit the goal It's to get the result. But, and when I, and when we're talking variance, that doesn't mean that you vary it so much on your path on the first shot that you don't have a direction on that variance. Like you don't go, um, you don't go where you're doing one rep maxes all the time. Then you're doing chain work. Then you're doing tempo work. Then you're doing this and you're doing like without, with, with spreading it so wide that you don't have a direction anymore. I think that you should run those. I think you should run those variances through cycles. Yeah. Of single leg work. Then you go to um, uh, capacities type work. Then you go to more of a classical linear style. Then you go to accessory. We're going to be hitting certain specific, you know, certain areas, but you run each of those through whatever, six week, four to six week cycle, whatever. And then you're making those mini jumps, but you're not giving yourself a chance to plateau. Mm -hmm. It's not like doing small of after small of after small of after small of after. <laughs> I mean, I know people that have done that and they get, they get the, the, the result, they get the result, then they get broken. It you know messed I mean? me up they're, they're, some time. Oh, <laughs> that volume it, is yeah, insane. It, it can be, it can be nasty. Yeah. Um, all right. So a couple examples that they gave in ways to do, um, this training, it says, this is wild. One was 10 intervals of 42 seconds of work followed by a 30-second break, trying to get at or above 200 meters per. And when you add those up, that pace you need to grow to get that distance in that time frame will get you, say, that sub-seven minute. And every time you have a successful set, say the following week, you take off five seconds of rest. And then you keep doing that to where what you want is that time interval to be consistent, right? <laughs> we can't do yeah. 10 to 42. And, and that was um, a fun thing that they, they threw out there. The other is just a variety of different ways. Like you can see this interval table is like, okay, here's, here's different ways to do these intervals. 42 intervals of 10 seconds of work, which I would just blow my brains out. <laughs> that's just way too many but these are you know i think it's like 15 or 15 different ways yeah to do these intervals to get what you do and, and honestly like you could say hey we're gonna do a 12 to 14 week 2k cycle 
and just do one of these a week. If you can hit yeah. all your numbers and then do a test at the end. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the one thing I wanted to highlight off of this outside of just these intervals was this at the bottom here as we're closing it out. More important than the particulars of any approach is the variety or breadth of stimulus in moving towards your target. You're limited only by your imagination and willpower. Each distinct approach adds a unique advantage to your overall strategy. If you could just give a novice programmer this freedom to just go where their imagination takes them, obviously within some confines of reality, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, I think it, 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 it opens the door to allow people to experiment. Uh, and th this is one thing that I, I, I feel that a lot of um, new programmers especially – the way you get to understand what it is that you're putting together is you need to do it. Mm. So before you go and have someone do, all right, you're going to do 75 sets of 15 seconds of <laughs> rowing in 32 seconds. Like, oh. You better hop on the rower and know exactly what that feels like and mm -hmm. what it looks like. Um, so that you understand. I, I mean, I, I, I think that's one of the things that, that we have um, a feather in our cap, a, a strength of ours is that we can write a program and know exactly how it's supposed to hit and how it's supposed to feel and what that stimulus is. We've been to that place with the numbers that we're using. Right. It's not like we're saying, oh, well, you're a strong person, so you should be able to do X, Y, Z. Because, well, if you've never done that, it's a, it, like, that's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult experiment to have. So I think that it's important to understand what it's what it is that it will feel like that you're trying to do and then you can kind of i mean like if you're programming you can kind of gauge up i mean that's not to say that every coach has to be an elite level athlete but they have to understand what it is that they're handing to someone yeah if they have no idea what that stimulus is going to be then i i think that um they are doing a disservice to the person that they're giving the the, the workout to the training to yeah the, uh, the last part here that we have highlighted in yellow is this particular goal, obviously we're talking about the 2K, is a prominent benchmark in an athlete's development. So yes, we're using the seven-minute 2K as, a, as a, basically a little example, but having a sub-seven-minute 2K takes time and is not easy to do for 95% of us that are just general CrossFitters, and the ability to do that and the training that we go into has a lot of great adaptations just coming from practicing and training like that, like training for a, you know, a certain weight benchmark in your back squat. The thing I have here yeah. at the end, don't lose sight of the more general lesson of incremental, metabolically distinct, and converging methods contributing to an efficient strategy for success, right? So take that, take that statement in blue and apply this bottom kind of buffer is really the overall goal here is making sure we're using a lot of different, what should I say, constantly varied functional movements executed at high intensity? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I heard that somewhere. Right, I heard that somewhere as the way to get a goal, whether it's a 2K row, a one rep max back squat, or a sub three-minute Fran. You want to take a different approach to this and not a singular focus. What is just talking about a row set? And I mean, I guess it can apply to this, but if you were to do a, a rowing set with someone, 
what would be the like what's a, like a what if i say a rowing set what pops in your head just like immediately ping, pops right in there uh for this one for i mean for whatever if, if uh, i want to get what's it give me a set give me a set that you would write up for someone uh i'd say okay hey we're working at 2k so three 1000 meters at plus five seconds of your 2k pr pace uh, one set every six minutes. And so like my 1K row pace would be a sub 130, but my 2K pace would be right about a 137 PR. So yeah, I could row a thousand meters at a 142. That'll get how much good. How much rest in between? It's about two, two and a half minutes. Okay. That'll get you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's what very uh that's very henshaw ish. Henshaw esque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'm just like hearkening back to like, you know, my background is endurance, aerobic, I mean swimming, triathlons, that was my background right. prior to CrossFit. So like when it comes like running sets, rowing sets, like that's that's more <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, I can I, when I, But I, li I like that. I, I like how you give your your buffer with your ten seconds over your blah 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 pace, whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're that you're working on. Yeah. Um. I I really like the um. The the pace sets ten five hundreds one minute rest in between ten five hundreds on this time frame. You got to go mm -hmm. between this and this or a sub whatever. Um. Because just looking for capacity, being I yeah. like the idea of being able to hold a particular pace for X amount of time, and building a wide base at that level, yeah, to be able to bump up um, after that. I mean, usually most of the time, especially with with within our sport, um, I think it's relatively rare. No, fuck it, I'll say it's rare. It is rare. <laughs> To where to where the row counts or where the run counts. Yeah. Like it's in there. It's that piece that like, okay, if you do it too much, you're gonna hurt yourself, but you aren't gonna win the event on that. Like the 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 row, the way they did the row this time was the first time that like the row mattered without it being like all right, guys. Shit, the row was the whole damn thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that yeah. that really set it where you couldn't just pace it. You had to know you could do it. You had to go um, to that, to that level. So I, 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 I really like building the capacity, like those, the pace set I, ideas, this, I, I, I think I tend to gravitate towards that. I really mm. like that idea, but for a new person, I like the idea also, like if we we're talking way deconditioned, mm -hmm. okay. It, it's similar to when people say that they want to get in shape and they go to the gym or, and they run on the treadmill for for they're going to do 10 minutes on the yeah. treadmill or they're going to they're going to do i'm going to do three miles and it's going to take me 30 minutes so i'm just going to set it for three miles at 30 minutes and they do that and they do that and they do that and they do that and they get to where they can do that mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden their fitness goes up when they're not in shape to get that it plateaus and then eventually it actually goes down mm. because they're not gaining anything out of that anymore yeah. they didn't make that adjustment so i like the idea of Okay, try to increase the distance you can go in this amount of time. I, yeah. I think that's that's kind of cool too. Yeah, and it's fun. It is fun, and there's it, like I said, there's so many different ways. We did a 12 week cycle of 500 meter row, so you know, with a bunch of other things. Like it was just like our Tuesday things. Like, hey, we're gonna yeah. on Tuesdays 
we're going to be training for 500. So we, you know, the week one of the 12 week cycle, everybody time trialed their 500 meter row. And then we made programming that had pacing dictated off that PR. You should right. totally throw in a Hey Ashley right now. I know Hey Ashley. Yeah, right. She thought she was being <laughs> sneaky, trying to walk behind, but that's a mirror behind me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she has no idea. Hey Ashley. Hey Ashley. Huh, hey Ashley. That was block. my wife. That was my wife. She's like, I'm just going to sneak around the side. I'm like, sure. Mirror. But hey, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, it was really cool. And at the end, everybody PR'd. I'm, it was kind of cheating because like when is the last time you've ever trained for a 500 meter row for 12 weeks? But like when everyone PR'd, I was like... This is how great I am. At <laughs> but, you know, I knew it was, it was a little bit of a party trick. But um, all right. So that was the row article, which was the precipice of unique elements of approaching a singular goal through variance in training. The next one. Oh, I almost pressed the wrong button. I almost hit turn off <laughs> is about the the muscle up. And what's cool here is obviously this is part of the level one. Um, it's not really, I mean, we're not going to teach you how to do a muscle up here. That's not the purpose of, um, what we're looking at, but it's the elements that people do really need to pay attention to more. Can you see this? Is yeah. That? Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I should probably close this one out. <laughs> Boop. All right. Now, right off the bat, the, what I have in blue and we've said this before, and when we repeat things, it, it bears repeating and maybe write these things down. And it says, the muscle-up is astonishingly difficult to perform and is unrivaled in building upper body strength, a critical survival skill, and most amazingly of all, virtually unknown. Meaning, you don't see this being done in any place other than a gymnastics facility or a CrossFit gym. <laughs> That's it. What's up, Bruce? What's up, Bruce? What's up, Bruce? Welcome to the party. Now, what I have here in red is, though containing a pull-up and a dip, the potency is due to neither. A lot of it's like, oh, I don't have pull-ups or ring dips. Like, that's not the hard part. You can have all the pull-ups and ring dips in the world, but if you don't have, quote, the heart of the muscle-up is the transition from pull-up to dip, the agonizing moment when you don't know if you're above or below. When learning a muscle-up, this drove me absolutely insane because I had a lot of strict pull-ups in my bag and a lot of dips just from swimming training, yeah. but yeah. I could not get above the damn rings to utilize either one of them. It was so maddening for me. I don't know what it was like for you learning your first muscle-up. Unless you're that asshole uh, that did it on the first try. Uh, nah, <laughs> uh, I was I was decent. I was decent at it. I was decent at it. Um, I remember. So I think getting one was wasn't that bad. It was getting multiples that pissed me off mm. because mm -hmm. I didn't have that that little bone on your wrist right there, like from the false grip from oh, sitting on that thing. That so comes gnarly. in later in the article. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like I would just bleed the fuck out of that thing Dude. all the time. And then I'd be at, then I was like, well, now I can't do muscle ups for like three weeks. So I remember it, and it was weird back. If you have been doing this a while, like we didn't have 
the kip we didn't have the big open like all that yeah all that was kind of discovered on the fly almost at your games at the 2010 game yeah yeah, like, yeah that's where everyone's like trying to make shit up as they went so we didn't really know how to do that so i i it's all it is strange to me that the ring muscle up the the strict ring muscle up is like a forgotten art like nobody wants to even go to that they don't want to it's like why am i no but i got a swing i don't need to be on the ground here on my shins what are you talking about yeah you know what do you mean put my what do you mean put the butt of my hand on that like i don't understand what what are we talking about yeah i'm supposed to be flying through the air right now what's up <laughs> I, I liken it to do you remember the movie shooter with mark yeah. Wahlberg and he was the sniper yeah. and he was visiting that like old tinfoil hat dude and he's like rubbing his calluses to see if who the real gunny is. I yeah. feel like if you want to see an old school CrossFitter, they still have like dark circles underneath their wrist bones oh, here yeah. from years yeah. of strict. And I like what you pointed out there. This article, as you said, is almost 20 years old. We are only talking about the strict ring muscle up. This article yeah. is designed for the strict ring muscle up, not kipping, um, as you pointed out. But um, the, the red part I have in here is... The transition, that moment can last from fractions of seconds to dozens of <laughs> seconds, <laughs> which I have seen how many, and how I have done. How many Instagram videos are there? <laughs> like a worm that. on a hook or that like a, what, what is it like you see those videos of like cats get stuck in a branch and they're just kind of swinging from the base. Right. <laughs> but as it says below, no other movement can deliver the same upper body strength, period. You're going to hear this a lot. And as we get deeper into this, we're going to tell you why certain scales over the years have been misinterpreted, partly because of this article and how people assessed what they meant in this article that we hope to clear up. Now, here's the funny part. Here's the four-step process of doing a muscle-up. <laughs> Hang from a false grip. Pull the rings to your chest or, quote, pull up. Roll your chest over the bottom of the rings and then press to support the dip. It's that simple as it says. <laughs> it's just that easy. It's just that easy. It's just that easy. Now the trick here that we have in yellow is the false grip. And this is where we're saying where we rip the most time is. The false grip shortens the lever arm, which greatly improves your strength. Meaning you're always stronger closer to your core than you are further away. Talking about leverage or lever arms. In the example I like to put in people's heads if they can't think about it is think about you're holding a 45 pound plate on your chest and then every 10 seconds you just move it an inch away and an inch away and an inch away and it gets compoundingly more difficult to sustain that not just for the time but the stability and it's the same thing for the rings the further you are away from your chest the less power and, and ability you have to roll over the top of the rings which always is a huge um, mistake that we have oh went too fast sorry no false grip no muscle up again strict and i love what they have here at the bottom is this part is really very easy <laughs> once you figure it out right and it has some tips here but when you, when you talk about the false grip muscle up when I think about like all the years that I've ripped something on my hands, whether it's palms for pull-ups or pinkies for kettlebell swings or, you know, thumbs in here and 
the the rips I would get from false grip muscle ups were probably the worst. Yeah, on it, my it, wrists because of that. Because of that, it's one thing. Like so, when you tear on your palm, it's this nice soft flesh area. <laughs> tear on your finger, it's like it's still that soft fleshy area. When you tear on that bone, it's not because you pulled the skin and mm -hmm. it tore like like there was a, a callus there and you tore it that way it's because you put all your weight on your bone mm -hmm. and then smashed your skin between your bone and the wood or the plastic of that ring and then tried to move around on that thing and you ground the shit out of it and it's super thin and it like it doesn't heal it's like if you were to take your knee and just beat it on the cement a bunch of times that ends up being the same kind of wound it's a mm -hmm. bruise and and an open cut all at the same time. And then it never wants to heal because it's right, like, constantly. <laughs> yeah, <pulling>. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, or what's the, when you get it, like, in the crease of your finger, between your palm and the base of your finger. Yeah. Here we got one of those rips yeah. where, it, like, I rip my callus all the way to the, the base line. of my finger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess I can't, I have to keep my hands open or closed <laughs> until. Right, for like the next, like, heals. week and a half. But yeah, man, those, those <laughs> false grip rips were the worst. Um, it has some tips on getting your chest over the rings. I'll really show you the photos here that they have. Although photo two is not really coming out. Um, when it has these five tips, the big thing here in red is what I love is ultimately none of these tips will help. You just have to struggle with it until you get it. And this is classic gymnastics thought for people who quit early because if you constantly miss say a snatch everybody wants to try again and it doesn't bother them oh god almost got it or i'm right there like that's that's their first train of thought but if you miss a handstand push-up or a pull-up or a muscle-up they're like fuck it i quit it's mind-blowing but that is really weird right do you i mean we think about that it's like and i think some of it is because they they put the blame on themselves because there's nothing to put the blame on. Before it's like, oh, you know, the barbell and the weights and like, those are why I'm not getting it. But when it's right. just you and your body in space, you're like, I don't like to say it, I'm the problem. And so you, people uh, get so much more frustrated with gymnastics than they will with any other movement, whether it's like any other movement. I remember Vellner saying it, making a comment about that where he was saying that, you know, what are you, what are you going to do if they no rep you or if they have this thing that happens, does that ever rattle you? And he's like, he's like, man, I come from gymnastics. You, you never got it right. You mm -hmm. never got it to count. It never works. So you're so used to hitting fail, 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 that it's like, oh, okay, okay. It's that it's like you don't even blink about it. Yeah. Whereas people that don't have that don't constantly get slapped you know, not correct, not correct, didn't get it, didn't get failed, failed, failed they take that almost as personal right? rather than being like, oh, I'm right there. Oh, yeah. I felt that piece. Oh, there's the next step. There's the next step. And not letting themselves um, accept all of the little 1% improvements. Mm -hmm. They want a 95% improvement right then. Yep. And with gymnastics stuff, like it just does not happen that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. At all. I'm talking to certain people that may be on this all right. Yeah, right. As, we're, as we're talking Sorry. about it, it, it happens that way, you know. Sorry. So yeah. um, you have to be able to acknowledge the one percent mm -hmm. and be stoked on the one percent, 
and then uh, not be flustered because it was only 1%. What's up, Mike? Oh, up, Mike? sorry. That's my fault. Oh, I've got I to put on do not. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> I guess I could. <laughs> uh, what's up, Mike? So, yeah, that's that's a little thing to think about when you guys are training is like, oh, wow. Now, I put here in yellow real quick because we've already talked about this, but assuming grip is okay, you'll know it is if you get deep bruises in your wrists opposite of your thumb. And so people are like, oh, my wrists hurt. It's like starting to fray and tear and bruise. I'm like, good, you're doing it right. Yep, that means you're in the right place. Yeah, you're right. Now, here's what I have in red with a little note. If you can do 15 good pull-ups and 15 good dips... It says then you're strong enough to do a muscle-up. And the note I have here, if it opens, damn it, you're letting me down note. All right. Well, the note is this isn't an appropriate scale for ring muscle-ups. Ring dips and pull-ups, ring dips and pull-ups. Like, no. You mean the the two ring ring muscle-ups equals two pull-ups and two dips? Or like, hey, yeah, or one ring muscle up. That was the original setup. That was the original. Yeah, but the thing is, is like it's in this article, it says you can have all the pull-ups and dips in the world, but if you want to get a muscle up, you have to learn the transition. And and I think people took this and like, oh, it's always pull-ups and ring dips. And like you said, there's not one scale fits all. There's not one scale you should always do. But when you have this in a class, like program muscle ups for your class. It's okay that everyone has to do low ring transfers. You can make a low ring transfer just as difficult for the elite athlete to do a ring muscle-up. And yet you're learning the most difficult part of the ring muscle-up, assuming you have the pull-ups and ring dips. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll combine a pull-up or version of with a low ring transfer as a substitute per a ring muscle-up. But just the pull-ups and dips only, I think we got... There was a time where, yeah, it was a scale, and then everyone's like, okay, that's that's the only thing we do. And then he said, he's like, I have all the pull-ups and dips in the world, but I still can't do a muscle-up. I don't understand. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, still unable to get above the rings. Oh, this is this is uh, my favorite line of the whole personal accountability. <laughs> yeah, I know, totally. <laughs> still unable to get above the rings, and you're either letting the rings wander away from your body or my favorite line in the whole article, or you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine giving that cue in a gym and just like not batting an eye oh but i can't i was like you're not trying hard enough <laughs> and we see that all the time i see that when people try to learn multiple pull-ups in a row it's like they do one the second one feels weird and then they quit yeah yeah and so that was great It's like, you're just not trying hard enough. And it's true, but to encourage it is don't give up on each attempt unless you struggle for 10 seconds with the rings at the chest. Because learning what that position feels like and what you have to do to get in that position is huge for your development to understand what it really requires to do the ring muscle-up. Instead of being like, oh, I'm not going to make it, quit. It's like, you weren't even in the right position. At least struggle in the right position. It'd be like going down for a heavy back squat and halfway down there, you just drop the bar. You're like, I'm not going to make it. It's like, or sit at the bottom and know what that feels like for a second before you bail off your back, not with someone spotting you from behind. (laughs) And that, and that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that, you know, I've seen people struggle with the ring muscle up, but they're struggling in the wrong place. Right. 
right. if they're struggling, like they're not struggling with their hands, their 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 fists next to each other, and the rings being down by their sternum, and they're trying to pull it to the side. They're struggling here like this. They do their pull, they kick up to here, and then they're struggling. It's like, well, okay, yes, you're trying really hard right now, but where you're trying, you don't ever want to be doing that anyway. So just calm down. Like, don't waste your time there. You got to struggle in the right places. So, I mean, that's one of the pluses about being in a, in a CrossFit gym, hopefully, is that you have a coach that's seeing you do it and telling you where you're messing up. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let someone sit here with the rings out here and try to do the thing where they push their hand out to the side and try to hook, cherry hook, chicken wing hook their yeah. elbow over the top like that. I get it. But like the, the only time I would do that, I would do that is if it's at the open and it's like, look, man, okay, we're not, we're not working on our fitness right now. We're working on like, here's the line. You got to get to the line. So whatever it takes to get there. Um, and then throw these questions, throw these comments up about the, which is easier to start a bar. Oh yeah. I was just commenting muscle up. Well, it wasn't yeah. easier. It says for be for a beginner would for be beginner. best to start with a bar or ring. And Josh, Josh's comment was bar is easier. It's like, yes, but well, different. it's different. Yeah. Not easier or yeah. harder or, or, but he said, where should this start? And you and I both said the same thing. Yeah. It, ring. I mean, I want someone, if I want someone to learn how to do or to, to, to move themselves towards a ring muscle up, you have to do the ring muscle up and you have to do the drills and scales and modifications and adjustments and all of the pieces into that ring muscle up. It would be like saying, well, how do I get better at, at rowing? Okay. Well, you should go run. Mm. What's well, a monostructural thing. It's like, well, well no, I think maybe the question is which one to start with first, not just for yeah, ring it, muscle up. Well, like, what you want to do? It, but it, that's, that's what I mean. If you want them, if you want them to learn a bar muscle up, yeah, you start them on the bar. Got if it. You want them to learn a ring muscle up. You start them yeah. on a ring, um, S and you move the directions in that. I I don't think that because the idea of hanging under something and ending up on top of something automatically means that they're the same movement mm -hmm. because one is. I mean, because one is a standard object that's that you can push against. The other one, you move. Yeah. Uh, free. I mean, it, it's a yeah. different movement. So I, I don't like to substitute in, in, I, I oh, would say yes. that in our regular I class, I will have it as an option if someone wants to do that because, okay, we're not going to take the whole day today and learn how to do the ring muscle up. That'll be on a Thursdays when we yeah. do our technique day, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get this, here's what we'll do. It's like, okay, one-to-one -one on the ring muscle up or transitions or your jumping ring muscle ups or from the, from the floor. If you have, you know, a difficult time getting up and doing the dip, or if you want to do the bar muscle up, okay, we're still going to go one-to-one -one with the number rather than saying like it's pull-ups and dips. It's, we'll go this way but you're not going to get an RX out of it. You're not going to get whatever. It's just another element, a gymnastic pulling, mm -hmm. pushing movement that we'll throw in there so that we get the stimulus of the event rather than whatever. It kind of depends on what their goals yeah. are too. Well, okay. Quick question. If yeah. you were saying pick which one to teach first, which one would you start with? Um, I would, well, I think it would be easiest to go through the movements at a learning pace on the rings. I agree. 
because just you can because start of, them on the ground. Yeah. You can have them slowly move and understand. Like, you can't do that on a bar. I right. Mean, kind of can, I guess. But I, I just think that it would be, I, I just think the ring would be easier. I agree. Uh, I have here in yeah. blue, we're about talking about the difficulty of the ring muscle up. He's like, how hard is it? It's actually not that hard. <laughs> this is a classic. Gymnastics moves are graded A through E. A being the easiest and E being the hardest. The ring muscle up, sorry everybody, is an A move. And the best part is we always, the, the classic is like, the ring muscle up isn't even a gymnastics movement in competition. It's the it's equivalent from standing, getting on top of the blocks before you start a swimming event. It's just how they get on top yeah. of the rings. Like, it's the equivalent of stepping up onto an object for gymnasts. That's the <laughs> level of difficulty that we're talking about here, which I think is cool when we look back at the CrossFit Games program that Boz had this past year was, as he said, we are so far away from the elite gymnasts in our capacity as CrossFit athletes versus our two other distance or, or any type of monostructural movement and weightlifting. And that's a great example. Our premium pulling movement that we have as like the precipice of strength development and upper body pulling is not barely on the scale for regular gymnasts. Specifically male gymnasts. Obviously, women gymnasts don't do ring routines um, in there. But I thought that was always a great little eye-opening experience for people. Um, but once you do get it, anything can you can get a finger hold on. You can surmount. And they you know, talk about professions, military, police, firefighters. The one thing I thought was cool and I never really thought of was the application into things like wrestling and jujitsu. Um, more so jujitsu because, you know, jujitsu involves a lot of grabbing of the gi and like I didn't even think about that until they said it, but like that false grip strengthening when you grab someone by their it. yeah their 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 collar and you turn that in like that is a huge advantage if you have grip strength in jujitsu specifically and you can get that through strict strict ring muscle up training. Well, yeah, and I I think it's imperative that we keep putting the strict word in there because granted the majority of people that are going to be that are probably listening to this right now when they think ring muscle up they just see the flying garbanzo beans flying through the air with the greatest of ease you know whipping themselves up into the air and that is not mm -hmm. the muscle up that we're talking about yep uh and then to close things out here is they gave some effective workouts for those that are learning it's like you can give them a little push from the bottom you want to push up never out like don't push them over in front of the rings, push them up to it. Um, but an example of 30 muscle-ups for time would be Amazing. a good workout for most people. Then it said 50 will be covered the needs of the elite barbarians, <laughs> which is, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. But November 2002 is when this article came out. So we're approaching the 20-year mark when this came out. And we're getting the first, basically, drop of 30 ring muscle-ups for time as a benchmark test. Yeah, it's still not named Briggs. <laughs> I know. Come on, man. You got the inside track now. You got no. your foot in the door over there in the big HQ. Start putting some pressure on people. Yeah, yeah. where's the application? <laughs> the girl benchmark application. Uh, and you then to close do things... Do that on your morning coffee call. Come on now. Yeah, I, I, I'll bring that up. Uh, excuse me, Don. Yes, Mr. CEO. Can we... <laughs> I know Gone. we got this, um, some Pull things to together, figure out. Pull it together, bro. Yeah. Pull it together. <laughs> 30 ring muscles for time, Briggs. 30 bar muscles for time, Samantha. Samantha. We're just going to keep saying that. We started this two and a half years ago, and we'll say it until it is, and then, you know, someone else will take the credit for it because they'll post it on Instagram <laughs> first. 
Uh, at the very end, rings were a regular feature of gymnasiums, which is really like um, facilities that where you train gymnastics, gymnasiums, until modern times. And yes, there's no facility like modern day at the time, right 20 years ago, any fitness boutique facility that had rings hanging from the ceiling other than a gymnasium, which is where most gymnasts would be training if you put that, or at this point in time, a garage gym. They were so fun. Yeah. They were, I fun. remember being like seven years old. My dad was the wrestling coach and we'd go at the high school and we would go there and they would have all those things. Rings hanging from the uh, the rack ladder. Mm -hmm. What is that ladder called? That stretching ladder that they would use. Oh, the batcher ladder? Is that what they call that? I think I so. What it was. I know it's, like it's with the wood, all the dowels. The wood when it goes up yeah, and it's yeah. got the thing that comes across. Yeah, and there would always be rings hanging up on that, always. And we would be on those things all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yep. And that's it. Man. Simple little things, like little nuggets in here. The value and the importance of learning how to do a ring muscle-up. Just training for that, right? Here, in full circle with the two articles. Training for a singular thing, ring muscle-up. The adaptation you're going to develop for upper body pulling and pressing strength, as well as core stability and kinesthetic awareness which is your ability to move your body in space by just trying to get your first muscle up has way more transferability to your overall fitness level than you can imagine doing something as simple as training for a 2k row at a certain time frame, whatever your time goal is and the different modalities that you need to train in, whether it's distance intervals or intensity, apply that to any goal that you ever that you have in any fitness facet you want. It's all there. Think about, so one of the things that CrossFit gyms have always been knocked on is, you know, I, we do Olympic lifting here and that's just too difficult. People don't, you know, I'm 70. I don't need to know how to do the snatch. I don't need to, I don't give a shit about ring muscle. I don't need to learn how to do any of that stuff. And every single person, every single owner or person in a box or CrossFitter that comes in contact with that conversation should say exactly why working through ring muscle ups are important. It's not about the fact of, can you do an A level movement in a gymnastic level, anything, or can you do 30 for time? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact of pulling yourself up from under something to over something. Yep. And there isn't any 70 year old that if they fall down, mm. isn't going to have to be able to grab themselves and pull themselves up and go over whatever to get on the phone and say at that point, yeah, I fell, but I got back up. Not that I can't get back <laughs> up. I got back up, but my leg hurts. Can you have someone come over and, and, and check out my leg? Whatever. I mean, what, whatever. Mm -hmm. That is why we need to learn that movement. That is why it's imperative that we do rings. What, and I mean, take, a, take someone sitting, a, a, a paraplegic, have them sitting in their chair, pulling up the ring, put, pushing themselves up yeah. and over. Change the height of the rings if you need to. Adjust that. Like the rings are not just a scale for for ring rows. Like that is not the only that or the thirty the thirty ring muscle ups for time. Yeah, it is a training tool for the and we're talking CrossFit, the elite level athlete and the aging grandparent. The training does not differ by type but by intensity. So if they are if the elites are doing rings and snatches and single arm whatevers everybody should be doing their version of that. 
Should be. So. Boom. There. I'm not even going to mess with that. That Take was perfectly said. Perfectly said. Well, th- guys, thanks for joining us for the CrossFit Journal Book Club today. Articles four and five. We drop those in the chat. They're also in the detailed description on our YouTube page. If you guys follow us on Patreon, go to patreon.com. Be a programmatron. And we love, I gotta love that nickname. That was great. Super cool. For six bucks a month, you guys can support the show more than you already do. We will upload the detailed version of these articles into our latest posts as well as mail those out to you guys. The next article we have coming up on the Glassman Chipper. Ooh, now we're getting into the weeds. The glycemic index. You want to see the effects of refined carbohydrates on your system? The reason why we have chronic disease is the number one killer in the United States. Check that out. Just drop the link in the chat. If you guys follow us on Patreon, we'll upload this for you guys as well coming up. But Bill? Dude. Yeah, that was great. That was a fun one. That was I'm glad really we put fun. the two together. I'm glad we put the two together. Yeah, they, they married very well as far as like yeah. training can develop a lot of the things you want to and the different facets that you can center around a singular focus on. Thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate it. See you guys next week. Article number six. Bye, guys.